Hi! That's Lindsay. And that's Kayla. And we're two friends who share a love for reading that we want to share with you. So, so let's, let's talk, talk about, about books, baby! Well, hello. Hello! Who the hell is that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How are you? How is the weather? Uh, it's so gloomy here, but it's not like apocalyp- apocalyptic like it is in Fairfield. So <laughs> no, yeah, here it was so crazy. It was just orange and red, yeah. and I ended up having to close my blinds because, yeah. like, for anyone listening in the Bay Area, because of all the fires surrounding us and coming from all different directions, everything was orange and red yeah. and scary. Like I woke up. And my room was really dark. And my curtains are not blackout curtains, not even by a mile. So then when I opened the curtains up, I was like, why is it so dark in my room? It's 8 a.m. And I opened my windows and then it was just, the sky was just red. And in my head, I was like, end of the world. Hide your kids. Hide your wife. (laughs) You know, (laughs) so scary. I I didn't know. I didn't know what was going on and no one did. No one knew. So we really were kind of scared for those first few hours. Well, yeah. And I know there's fires now in Oregon. (laughs) And so it's just crazy. I mean, there's fire. There was a fire here in San Diego too, more inland. We weren't near it, but there were some cities that had to be evacuated. California's on fire, people. (laughs) It's so scary and, it started, and it's so sad. It started with a gender. I mean, it never used to yeah. be like this, no. Yeah. I don't care what gender your child is. Honestly, I don't care this much. I would rather these no. people still no. have their homes than know well, what gender your baby you hear- is. You know what the sad thing is? I don't even know what the gender is. They didn't even tell us. They didn't even say. <laughs> well, no, they're going to be held financially uh, and criminally responsible. Did you hear that? I did that, hear that. They're going to be responsible for millions of dollars in property damage due to them doing this stupid ass gender reveal. And you that even know what it was. Why you do not do. No. I don't like, even know what the, the, I don't know what the gender stupid. reveal was. Like, no. What was it? A firecracker? Yeah. <laughs> They're going to name the kid Blaze. (laughs) Oh, stop it. Oh, that would be terrible. (laughs) I know, right? Go on. No, it was some sort of pyrotechnic. I don't know exactly what it was, but it's like, pop some fucking confetti. Eat a fucking cake. You do not need to do anything fire related. I mean, they were in a park. They were in like a a park where there's dry brush. It just is not. It just seemed like the perfect storm. And they were like, you know what? Let's, let's find let's out make if our baby. Rain. Let's find out if our baby likes guns or glitter. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Has, oh God. has there actually been one that's guns or glitter? No. So I actually found. I'll send you this. It's a TikTok, and it was literally the first thing on my for you page a couple days ago after the fire happened, and I was bitching about it. So clearly TikTok heard me, <laughs> and it was this girl, and she was basically pretending to be the mom at her trial. <sighs> To the judge and jury, I just had to know if my baby would like guns or glitter. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's so funny. I'll have to send it to you. Like, I was so angry watching it, and I know that it wasn't even the lady, but you just know that she's that type of person that would talk like that and say that kind of thing because – you have to be a redneck white trash to set off pyrotechnics in the middle of like California being on fire 
for a gender reveal. Like, you just have to be. No one who's not a fucking Karen does that. So, you know, it's so funny because when you were doing that impression, there's this woman who's on TikTok and she does all these things of like all these Karens. And I was like, I wonder if it's her because she's so funny. She's like, when you're racist white Karen and you're trying to have a conversation about race with one of your friends. And then it's like, you know, we're really trying. Like, we're really, like, honestly, we're trying. And then and then there's another one where it's like when you're a Karen that hasn't gotten her latte in however long. Oh and then she goes up, she's like, hi, yeah. So um, I've been waiting for about five minutes to get my caramel macchiato. I come here all the time. I'm here all the time. Like they know my order, um, but I haven't gotten it yet. Um, do oh you think you can God. start it? And then when she hears the person say no, she goes, can I speak to your manager? Yeah, because I come here all the time. And I was like, this is so realistic. You and I worked at freaking Starbucks. We know that. We know. Yeah. I've had that. Like, oh, 100%. We were were interacting with Karens long before they were called that. So, on the daily. Holy cow. But great segue about the Karen talking about race because <laughs> my book for this week is So You Want to Talk About Race. Zam. That was a, yeah, that was a good that. transition. Really good, Smooth really good segue. I know. Well, I mean, it. yeah, I, it could have been better, but it's okay because we got <laughs> to hear about Karen and her latte and I think that was pretty fucking funny. So <laughs> I thought actually that you were trying to segue for me. <laughs> I wasn't. <laughs> when you damn it, I'm good without even pretty trying. So my book this week is So You Want to Talk About Race. And it's very timely. I read it back in June. Honestly, there's not a lot to say about it. Because if you have not been paying attention, then something is wrong with you. And if you haven't picked up an anti-racist book, pick one up. This one's a really good one. I really liked it because it was very anecdotal. And I feel like I relate more to that than hearing the facts and figures of things, which she does that too. She does that too. But literally starts each chapter like, oh, when I was, you know, X years old and I was in a car and a police pulled me over for the first time or, you know, whatever. And so then she explains her experiences of growing up very poor and and things like that. So I really appreciated those perspectives because I feel like it really humanizes the experience that... Mm -hmm. I personally have never experienced and will never experience because of the color of my skin. And so hearing these stories from her perspective were very powerful for me. I did a hybrid of listening to it on audio slash reading it. She doesn't narrate it. Someone else does. But um, I don't know what she sounds like anyway. So (laughs) it's kind of like it worked. You know, it felt like someone was kind of talking to me about their experiences. I really appreciated that. So I don't want to go on too long. And obviously, I don't want to like cut it too short because I feel like it's obviously a very important conversation. Yeah. But there's also an element of like hearing it from herself versus hearing it from me, a white woman, that can really change your perspective. I also read Mia 
in white supremacy. Mm. And that comes with kind of like a, not a workbook, but things that you have to do daily or weekly to kind of work through your inherent racism. Um, oh. So that one's really good too. But I, I don't usually highlight books, but like I highlighted things. There was one thing actually that really shook me. And this was in So You Want to Talk About Race, right? Yeah. So I'm going to quote this word for word. So it's the chapters in this book are really like they're questions like, is it really about race? What is racism? What if I talk about race wrong? Is police brutality really about race? Why can't I say the N word? Why can't I touch your hair? Et cetera, et cetera. And so this is in the chapter of, is it really about race? And she gives a short list on basically if it falls into these categories, then it's about race. And so the first one was, It is about race if a person of color thinks it's about race. So something can be about race, and that doesn't mean that it is only about race. When I talk about being followed in a store by a white clerk, it is about race, because regardless of the clerk's intentions, I'm bringing with me my entire history of a black woman who is routinely followed around by staff or security when I shop in stores. This clerk herself may not be thinking about my race at all when she's following me. She may just be an overeager trainee, or maybe she suspects everybody of stealing and follows all customers regardless of race. But she, for her possibly innocent intentions, is also bringing her white identity into the interaction as someone who is not regularly followed by store personnel and therefore would be unaware of the impact it would have on me too, once again, be followed around a store by a white clerk. She too is making it about race, whether she knows it or not. That, literally, I sat with that for like, quite a bit after I read it. And, you know, you asked me about takeaways from this book. That was kind of a big part of it for me because I had never heard it put in that perspective. Me neither. Of, I may not have intended for something to be racially motivated at all. Like, I, that was maybe not my intention. But if the person of color believed it to be, then it was. And I thought about when I worked at Anthropology, we had obviously lots of theft in that store. Um, and we were in Berkeley, like right down the street from a homeless camp. And so like, there was quite often things that would happen. And so we had this code basically on our walkie talkies that if we saw someone who looked a little suspicious, we would say Nick. And a manager would come out, we would point out the person and they would kind of like follow them, but kind of subtly or whatever. And it meant like they're going to nick something from the store. I never took it as a race thing because there was two specific ladies and both of them were actually white at my store who would come in almost every week and steal something. And they were good at it and like everybody knew who they were. And so we would just walkie nick. But of course, back in June a lot of anthro employees kind of came out like this was a very racist thing that we did in our store, blah, 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 blah. And I can see it that way. I totally can. And that had never been my intention. And I never had, as far as I knew, had used it against a person of color um, just because I vividly remember those two white ladies. But it could have made it about race if the person of color thought that that was my intentions. And so that really shook me because it really makes you aware of what you're doing and to be mindful of the people around you and to care about what they are thinking and doing, what they think you are doing and what your intentions behind it could possibly be. 
And so that was a big part of the book for me. And it's like literally right at the beginning, but I kept coming back to that part because it became an action item for me. And there's tons of action items, obviously. I, I learned a lot. But like for me personally, I thought about like my experience in retail and how she was literally talking about a white clerk following her around mm-hmm. and well, that could have never been my intention, it could have felt that way to someone else. And so I sat with that and, you know, tried to go back and think of all the times that that I might have done something like that without intending to. And I couldn't really think of anything, but I'm sure it's happened. I'm sure that it's been a thing because we don't think about that as white people, that we don't experience that ourselves. And so when we do it to someone else, we don't think we're being racist about it. And so yes, that was a huge takeaway for me. I really appreciated that paragraph and that whole chapter about is it really about race? Because if it follows these guidelines, then yes, it is. And a lot of the time it is. Yeah. You know, it reminds me, one of my guilty pleasures is watching Karen videos. (laughs) Like, I don't know why. I can't do it because it makes me so freaking angry. Like, I'll watch one here and there, but I get my blood boils Uh and maybe I shouldn't blast this out, but there's the lady in Vacaville, if anybody knows her, and her video of what she said at the Vacaville school board meeting is on Reddit. And it has what like. What did she say again? She said, "Maybe take it out so that okay, we don't. Yeah. Uh, I'll we put don't a bleep post in. it. Okay, put a bleep in. She said, I and will. she was using like Karen hand gestures. She was all over the place. Pure Karen. Can I and ask a question? Was, Does she have a yeah. Karen haircut? Is it no, long in the actually, front and short in the back? She actually doesn't. It's so funny. She was talking about vaping ruins kids' lives and you're keeping them at home. So they're going to start vaping, blah, 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 blah. In her store, she owns a small eco-friendly store. She sells CBD vapes at her fucking store. And I'm like, big old hypocrite. Oh my God. I was so fucking angry just watching that video. And then of course, you know, I'm on Reddit. So then I see like five other videos and I click on them. And I was like, I can't do this to myself. It makes me so angry. So go on. I'm so I hijacked your conversation. No, you, you watch Karen videos yes. at your guilty pleasure. <laughs> well, okay. Here's the thing. I hate to say that I watch them as a guilty pleasure because I mean, if you think about it, there was a person who recorded the video. There was a person who was the target of this Karen's rage. And oftentimes, those are people of color. So I hate to say that they're a guilty pleasure because in truth, they're not a pleasure. These things should not be happening. Right. That being said, (laughs) I love watching Karen's get their just desserts. Yes. There's this, there's, okay, first off, there's this video. This is not the same video I was about to mention, but there was a video of a Karen who approaches a woman in a gas station. I, I think I've seen that one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And she approaches the woman in a gas station and she's saying horrendous things. I'm not even going to repeat it. I'm not no. going to put that out in the universe, but she's saying horrendous things to this girl. And so as the girl is trying to walk away, the Karen goes and puts her hand on the girl and the girl yep. turns around and punches she her punches in the face. Her. And I laughed so hard. I was like, yeah. It, it was so yeah. good. It was, it was so good. Felt it. Felt it. Yeah. Anyways. So, so ones like that. And you know, we're always told to be kind to our elders, to respect our elders. And I do. But when they show that they should not be respected, you know, now you're seeing videos of what happens, right? So anyways, I was just watching this video last night. You don't see the man who's holding the camera, but you see the woman who is near him. 
And the woman is this middle-aged to older woman who's on a bike and she's standing there and he says, this woman came up to me and she thought I was stealing this car just because I'm black. And she was like, why does it always have to be about race? There's car crimes here in the area. A lot of cars get broken into. And she's like, you're going through that glove compartment. He goes, it's my glove compartment. It's mine. It's my car. Yeah. My car. And she was like, do you know your VIN number or whatever it was? But that was their VIN number. I don't know my VIN number. I don't, I don't, number. Know, I don't, no, I don't even know my license plate number. Right? I don't. I, I yeah. think I know the letters. That's it. Yeah. I don't. And so this guy was like, F you. I don't need to tell you my VIN number. She's like, so you don't know it? I'm just asking if you can tell me your, that's it. That's all. And he was like, it's this. And I was so impressed that he actually said it. He knew his VIN number or whatever it was. I was impressed. How how is she going to like cross-reference it? She she was looking down at something on the car. So I don't know if maybe it wasn't the number. Maybe it was the license plate number. I don't know. But she was like, okay, thank you very much. And he was like, F you. Go F yourself. Go. Yeah. And he was like, get yeah. effing out of here. Effing get out of here. And she's like, why do you have to be so rude? And I loved watching him tell her to get the f out yes exactly exactly because he's this guy who's just in his car he's literally doing nothing wrong he owes her no explanation whatsoever and she's making it seem like she's the police right Like, she has a right to ask any questions. If you really saw something that maybe looks suspicious, and and this actually ties in with my book, I think I thought about all the times I've gone out to my car and looked through my trunk. And my trunk's full of crap. Or, or please don't come break into my car, guys. Or all the times that I've gone through my glove compartment. So it's like, if I was going through the glove compartment, I highly doubt she would have stopped me. Right. You know? No, not at all. So it's like 100% it's about race. You are bringing it in. And also, the fact is, he's a young man who is black. And we are going through a really tumultuous time right now. Why did I just have an accent? Did you hear that? Yeah, I did. Oh my god. We're, I'm from California. There should that accent should not be there. But we're going through a really tumultuous time right now and we have gone through this for the last few hundred years. So before you approach this guy and like hold on, also quick question. What if he was stealing the car? What would she have done? Right. Ripping off on her. What are those things yeah. called? The penny cycle, the bike that's like yeah. a giant wheel and the back oh wheel that's really tiny. What would she have done? To me, I'm like, well, clearly yeah, just you're racing. playing the race card. Yeah. You are. You're trying yeah. to show him like, well, I'm the higher, no, oh, yeah. the more sophisticated one, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, okay, thank you for your cooperation. He doesn't owe you oh, any cooperation, lady. So I'm sorry. I, I totally hijacked that. Go ahead. That's totally fine. Well, did you want to segue into your book? Oh, sure. <sighs> Friends, I'm covering Mastermind. How to think like Sherlock Holmes. I <laughs> yes, think I, I put Mindhunter. Mind <laughs> you put Mindhunter. I was like, I don't remember there being a book uh, starring Josh Groff. Jonathan, <laughs> Jonathan Groff. Jonathan Groff, mother of pearl. I'm so sorry, my brain. You're I was fine. like, you're fine. I couldn't remember, and I was like, Mindhunter sounds right. 
close. It's close enough. Yeah, it's close yeah. enough. Yeah. This is going to be a hard book to discuss. The reason being is that I don't know what I was expecting when I walked into this book. I really didn't. I don't know. But it was so different than whatever I had expected. Uh, I'll just put it that way. So I have a few things to go through. I'm going to start right here. Lindsay, I'm going to yeah. show you a picture. Okay. And in this picture, I want you to look at the two pictures. I'm only going to give you like a second to look at okay. these pictures. I want okay. you to tell me which of these two men is more attractive and which okay. of these two men do you think is better at his job? Okay. Can you do that? Sure. I'm only going to give you five seconds to look. Okay. Um, the guy on the left. This guy. Yes. Okay. What if I told you that the book knew that you were going to pick that guy? Okay. <laughs> it knew you were going to pick that guy. It knew I was going to pick him. But here's the funny thing, Lindsay. How do you know that that guy is better at his job? Well, I don't. <laughs> exactly. That's the well, thing. Well, I was answering he was more attractive. Sorry. No, you're Wait. fine. Okay, sorry. I, uh, yeah. But oftentimes when you're asking someone to judge someone based on their competence, like their competency, they will usually go for the more attractive person. But based off of the looks. Based yeah. off of their looks. Based on nothing but their looks, their first glance at this person. So it's a very interesting book because what it does is it takes these little snippets from different Sherlock Holmes stories. And then what it does is it says, okay, but how did he do that? So right. it kind of starts off or sometimes she'll give you an example of, of something and then something that could be in your life. Say someone walking up to you before they've even reached you, you've already mm -hmm. made an opinion based off of their looks. So right. one example that she gives is you're having a conversation in a group of people and this person walks up to you and you see that the person has a certain color hair that reminds mm -hmm. you of a person that you used to be friends with and you no longer are. So all right. of a sudden, right off the bat, you don't like that you don't, person. You don't like them. Yeah. No, you've made an assumption based on your past experiences. So I think the interesting thing about this book is that it tells you basically to take your past experiences and uh -huh. shove them aside. Because what it wants you to do is focus on the here and now. It wants you to be mindful of the now. Well, isn't that like, yeah, like Sherlock Holmes hyper focuses on certain things. But almost more so, it's not just about what he's focusing on, but it's the things that he's pushing aside as well. So the first, okay. the first part of the book talks about what's called the brain attic. So it's basically okay. saying that with your brain, it's kind of like an attic, right? So anything uh -huh. that you don't want in your main house, right? You're going to stick it up in the attic. Um, and right. you're going to start just piling things in there. And at some point, it's going to be so messy that you're not going to be able to access the things that you need to access. So it's right. almost like Marie Kondo, but for your brain. <laughs> okay. So okay. Essentially, what he's saying is, and there was one part where they were actually talking about this guy. He was saying, like, Detective Gregson, I think his name was, came and was seeking um, Sherlock Holmes's advice on a certain crime. And okay. Holmes was like, well, yeah, it was just like that one crime. You know, that one crime that you and I did years ago where this happened? And the guy's like, I don't remember. And he was like, remember? Blah, 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 blah. And then the guy was like, still don't remember. What she points out is the reason that Sherlock Holmes was able to remember that stuff was because he had it filed away in right. the appropriate part of his brain. Now, what right. he was saying was, had 
Detective Gregson filed it away in the proper part of his brain, he would have remembered it. So if he would have remembered the smell from that day. Then it would have triggered this. Yes. So it would have brought him back to that day. He would have been able to remember it correctly. If he would have remembered the weather of that day, if he would have remembered certain intricacies. And the important part, as Maria Konnikova put, is to not put it in a new box and file it away in your brain attic, but it's to file it with already existing things. So like I said, with the olfactory sense, looking at the weather, you know, little things. If you're pulling from things that you're going to associate with that day, with that specific thing, you'll be able to access it more easily. Because what's the point of all this knowledge if you're not able to access it when you need it? That's true. That's essentially what it is. So when you're trying to remember something, don't just try and remember. Try and remember proper associations. That's kind of like her first thing. Right. He talks about. And then in regards to like what I was saying about the person who walks up and you've made those, you've made that rash right. judgment on them based on what they look like. Right. Um, and actually there's a thing that you can go, it's called the uh, implicit association test at Harvard University. Uh, oh. You can actually take the test. It's called the Project Implicit and the website is implicit.harvard.edu. But it's kind of like seeing if you build associations with positive and negative And it mostly focuses on race, minorities, people with disabilities. But what I really liked was that they they actually were able to see that doctors who have to treat like a white patient versus a black patient, who they basically say like, yeah, I probably do have this bias because everyone Mm -hmm. has certain biases, right? Right. Yeah. So people have certain biases, but basically what they were saying is these doctors who are like, no, I know I probably have these biases. They noticed that they were actually able to keep their point of view fairly unbiased when prescribing medication or diagnoses. But everyone's going to have these biases. The thing that you need to do is recognize that you have these biases so that you can suppress the biases. That's essentially what it is. Isn't what they say like your first thought is what you're taught uh, to think, but it's your second thought that is who you truly are. So if you have that first thought of like, I'm fat or I don't like the way that I look or, you know, whatever, that's the way that you were taught to think and that your second thought is what you should actually act on and what you should basically change your mind, recognize that your first thought was wrong and what you can do to change that and have a better thought for your second one. Is what That's what I've heard, so. Isn't that so interesting? So yeah, yeah. so I mean, that's the thing. It's like we all have these biases that we were taught that have been drilled right. into us from a yeah. young age. So the important thing is to recognize those biases so that we can start mm-hmm. working on them because right. if you are sitting there saying like, people are racist, but I'm not racist. Right. You're wrong. (laughs) Then you're never going to be able to change because you're going to see yourself as not needing to change. Right. Because you're perfect. Oh, congratulations. Oh, my God. Um, (laughs) You're so perfect. (laughs) Oh, you're so perfect. I just love you. So, yeah. So, another interesting thing I just wanted to touch on was something called the Lucretius underestimation. Okay. So, so this one actually goes along with the story, which I'm sure you've heard. I'm sure everyone has heard this. This is a quote from Sherlock Holmes. He says, when you have eliminated the impossible, whatever remains, however improbable, must be the truth. Right. Yeah. You know that one, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, Essentially, what it is, is they're telling this story about when they're brought in on a case, 
And and they're like, okay, like the door is locked. The windows are locked. They're locked from the inside. Can he get through the chimney? No, can't go- get through the chimney. It's impossible because the grate's too small. Holmes is like, I already got that out. I vetted that idea. So he reminds Watson. He's like, all right, so whatever's left has to be the answer. And so he kind of, kind of like pushes Watson in the right direction. And Watson's like, maybe there's a hole on the roof. And he's like, exactly. The problem is the reason that that didn't come to Watson right away Mm -hmm. is because of this thing called the Lucretius underestimation. That basically the concept behind that is we allow our past experiences to drive us much like much like in uh, the past story when it's like okay well if this if this person comes up to you if they look like someone you know and didn't like and so now you don't like them again it's the thing of your past experience is going to drive this one so because Watson had never experienced like he had he had been told like there might have been a case once upon a time where mm-hmm. there was a hole in the ceiling and someone came in whatever he might mm-hmm. have had that but he's not Holmes so he doesn't have it filed away in the proper part of his brain and because he's never experienced it it's never come up so it didn't come up right away so basically again it's the idea of not going with your initial thought she says quote our repertoire becomes an anchor of sorts it is our reasoning starting point our place of departure for any further thoughts And if we try to adjust from our egocentric perspective, we tend not to adjust nearly enough to matter, remaining stubbornly skewed in a self-directed approach. And that's on page 179. So it's basically saying, you know, you're not thinking beyond the realm of your own brain, of your own experience. You need to be able to think outside the box, which is what Holmes does on a daily basis. And, And that is something that the author brings up at the very beginning is she's like, we have basically there are two ways of thinking. We have two parts of our brain. We have the Watson and we have the Holmes. And, yeah. and we are more in the Watson. We're basically stuck in the Watson, constantly letting our experiences drive us and our past experiences give us give us some bias. Often, some bias. Yeah. It's funny because like today I texted this guy who I've been talking to and I was like, hey, so like, can I ask you a question? And he was like, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. And I said, so like, is it just me? Mm-hmm. Uh, or do you like not feel, are you not feeling this anymore? Like, or I said something like, are you not feeling this anymore? Or am I wrong? And he was like, yeah. oh, no, you're wrong. <laughs> he was like, you're yeah, wrong. I'm wrong. And I was like, oh, well, damn. Okay, never yeah. mind. You know, so I think the the whole idea behind the book is just to get yourself out of that Watson way of thinking out of the way of thinking where right. it's like, yeah, I know, I know what's going to happen because I've experienced this in the past. I know right. how this person's going to be because I've experienced it in the past. No, we need to be objective. We need to live in the here and now, and yeah. we need to be more like Holmes, you know, right. wait until the situation is right in our face and then mm-hmm. judge it for what it is. Don't judge right. it for what it is beforehand you know right 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 yeah so no, that makes sense. that's uh that is mastermind by maria konnikova how to think like sherlock holmes wow. i recommend this book i recommend reading this book over a short period of uh, no over a long period of time not Taking all in one in go early. not all in okay. one go i mean like you can you can if you want to um, yeah it's just heavy it it's like- so much to take in and sometimes right. i was sitting there like Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've experienced that. I've experienced that. Yeah. 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 And then I would sit there like, 
I feel like I just internalized all those things. And now I can't like, I felt like I just couldn't talk about them. I did explain some of it to my dad, which helped. Um, That's another thing that they cover in the book. But yeah, I do recommend maybe reading it over a period of time and almost allowing yourself because to me, it is a self-help book. It's like, you know, do you want your memory to work a little bit better? Do you want to kind of like stop making biased decisions based on, you know, these, these stupid things that have happened in your past? Like I hated a girl named Ari for the longest time. So when I met (laughs) Ari at our work, I was like, yeah, I hate Ari's, but really I just hated the one. I love her. She's wonderful. (laughs) She's a gem. So, so yeah, I mean, I think read it. It's going to make you feel better. I mean, at first it makes you feel a little stupid because you're like, oh my God, I'm never going to get this. But really, I mean, it shows you how little energy you invest in actually understanding yourself and how much energy it really would take for you to just take a backseat and right. watch things happen and right. and then react to them rather than building these high walls, you know, that right. people have to climb over. Um, I think right. that it's, it's, it's a really interesting book. Anyone who is like, you know, yeah, like I like, I like the scientific method. I like understanding, like getting, getting a deeper understanding of these things that normally I wouldn't I wouldn't know about um, I definitely recommend right. this book and before I forget I do want to reference the author and mathematician Nassim Taleb even has a name for it inspired by the Latin poet the Lucretius underestimation so he's the one who actually came up with that term so I just I wanted to give him his credit where credit was due so that's mastermind guys highly recommend it if you want to learn how to fix your memory because I don't know about you guys but I'm constantly like my memory doesn't work anymore my bad so yeah so I highly recommend it it's not that our memory is broken it's not that we have bad memory it's just that we don't we don't know anymore how to process it and if you think about it you know, when we were kids, our memory worked so well. And it's because we had a lot of space in that brain attic to pile things in. So of course, we would remember it. But then right. as we got older, there was so much stuff in there already that now we're like, we can't remember it because we can't access it properly. So right. give yourself a break. It's it's literally you can't remember things because you already have so much in there. Be more picky about what goes in your brain attic. Be more picky about the things (laughs) you have to remember that you actually have to remember and kind of be more mindful about how you uh, how you stock your brain attic, you know, file things away properly so that you can access them later. And that, my friends, is Mastermind. Mm -hmm. Well, that sounds good. It's very fun. Intense, but Uh, fun. Friends. Uh, yes. But you know what? Really, fu- really interesting book. Really interesting. Super interesting. Yeah. But uh, next week, guys, we have another uh, interesting, fun episode ahead for you. Yeah. So next week, we will be talking about tidying up with Marie Kondo, which comes from the book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, which if you are going to ask me, yes, I have read it and it is beautiful. I say hello to my bed every single time I jump in. Oh, um, and then I'm going to talk about what not to wear because that was like the basis of my childhood, like self-help. My mom loved that show and we would watch it. And yeah, so I learned a lot about next week. Though, so yeah, I'm very yeah, excited. Same. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited well you guys uh we're gonna miss you so until next time bye don't forget to rate review and subscribe tune in every monday for new episodes that's kayla and that's Lindsay. goodbye